For those of us who are empty nesters, we enjoy the time when we've raised our family and they've gone on and they've become independent from us. We appreciate them coming back with their children, their grandchildren, and them leaving with their grandchildren. <laughs> so this story is really uh, out, of, out of a time warp for us because Abraham and Sarah, without children, were moping about and mourning because they felt like God had let them down, that he'd promised them they'd have a, a child, and here they were after childbearing age and no children. So the message that they got from these strangers and from God was that you will have an heir, and that heir will be, as from that heir will come a numerous progeny, greater than the sands of the sea, it will become a nation called Israel. And so they were delighted. Uh, if if uh, it had to happen to me, the Lord came and told me now at my age that I was going to have a child. I don't think I would be laughing at God or snickering. I would be uh, angry probably at God. I don't know. I'd faint first, and then, then I don't know what my expression would be. But it says here in that scripture, just read to us, that when the messenger said, you're going to have a child, Sarah laughed or snickered. Hmm. Hmm. You're going to have a child. Huh. And God said, who laughed? And she said, I didn't laugh. And he said, oh, yeah, you laughed. Snickering at God. And then there's an answer that comes that's sort of the theme for this sermon. God says in a rhetorical question, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord. It's a question that's answered over and over in the Old and New Testament. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? Well, Joseph wasn't sure about that. His brothers sold him, threw him down on a hole, and sold him into slavery, into Egyptian slavery. But Joseph became the second in command in Egypt. And one day his brothers walked in and he knew there was nothing too wonderful for the Lord. Daniel, thrown into the lion's den, came out without a scar or scrape because he knew there was nothing too wonderful for the Lord. David saw a great giant coming before him and he put a stone in his slingshot because he knew there was nothing too wonderful for the Lord. Moses stood by the Red Sea with the Pharaoh and his mighty army coming at his back and he raised his hand so that the sea would part because he knew that nothing was too wonderful for the Lord. Jeremiah Jeremiah stood in a place that had seemed to be forsaken by God. The people had been swept away and taken off into Babylon. The temple had been ruined. The walls of the city had been tumbled down. But Jeremiah could speak of a day when God would vindicate the people of Israel because he knew there was nothing too wonderful for the Lord. And Jesus, Jesus, hung between two criminals. Brutally crucified by the Romans, knew above everything else that all was well because nothing was too wonderful for the Lord. 
And in my life, and probably in your life, we could recount time after time when God has reached out in times of goodness and in times of trouble, touched our lives. And we would ask the question, is there nothing too wonderful for the Lord? As I prepared the sermon, I began to just lean back in my chair and, and, and think of the many times when God had touched my life, when God's wonderful hand had lifted me or touched me or changed me or altered the landscape around me. And I want you, I know this may sound a little uh, hokey to you, but don't you for a minute, just a minute, I want you to think of some times in your life when a person or an event or word touched your life. Just think about it. Something wonderful happened. And as I thought about that, leaning back in my chair, I thought of one thing. It just popped in my mind. I could, I could relate a hundred to you, but it was one time, and that was this, this, this story. When my wife graduated from high school, she worked at a clothing store that summer. And as the summer progressed, all of her friends began to go off to college. Her assistant pastor came in and said to her, Barbara, where are you going to school? And she says, well, I, I really hadn't planned on going. After all, her father, who was blind and unable to work, uh, and her mother, who did work, would find it difficult for her to go to school. And she and her assistant pastor talked about that. She said, well, you know, all of my friends are going to school now, and uh, I, I really wish I was going. Nothing else was said, and he went on. The next day, she had her pastor knocked on the door of her house, Sunday afternoon, I think, and said to her mama and daddy, sat them down in the living room, said, Barbara wants to go to school. She may not have told you. And I think I can help her. I've been a trustee at Avery College and Bluefield College. They're both Baptist schools. And I think I can, I can get her in and maybe find some scholarship money. And her parents and she just sort of shook their heads and said, he gave her permission. He said, give me permission. I'll call the president see what I can do. The school was starting. So he called and the next day. She called Barbara's mother or called Barbara at noon and said, Dr. Harmon at Bluefield College says there's one girl didn't come, and there's one place for a woman. If you can get there by supper tonight, you've got a place. Well, she threw her stuff in the car. You can imagine getting throwing all that stuff that these girls have in the car. Got her mom away from work, and they drove up there and were there by supper. And she was in college. And what a wonderful thing. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? But let me tell you, for, for me, there's something, a postscript. The second night she was at college, we met. And we've been inseparable since then. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? Think of all the ways, all the small, seemingly insignificant ways where twists and turns have taken in your life. And you can say, God was in that. Because every time something wonderful happens to you, my friend, there's the fingerprints of God there. Everything that wonderful happens to you bear the fingerprints of Almighty God. There is nothing too wonderful for the Lord.
Abraham and Sarah sat there and moped and groaned and complained. They had been promised an heir, they had a child, and there they were beyond their childbearing age. They were old, nothing was going to happen, life was over for them. And then the word came, they would have a son. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? The disciples were gathered in the dark room, afraid, disappointed. After all, they'd given their three years of their life to this man who claimed that he was going to be somebody, that he was going to stir up something, that God's redemptive purposes were in him. And the soldiers had come and taken him and crucified him, and they were frightened about that. They were just ordinary men, fishermen, tax collectors, just ordinary men. But they had hopes that this man would make a difference. And yet he'd been crucified. And in the room burst two women, Mary and Martha, and they said those magic words, he is alive. Is there anything too wonderful for God? It's not a rhetorical question. For us, it's an exclamation. There is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. There is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. He turns crucifixion into resurrection. Barrenness into a progeny. Is there nothing too wonderful for the Lord? That's where I want to end the sermon today. That's where you probably would like for me to end it too. I'd like for Jimmy Stewart just to come running down the aisle saying it's a wonderful, wonderful life. But you and I know that it's not, life doesn't always end hunky-dory, peachy keen, nice and nice and wonderful. I remember the young fellow that I met when I did a chaplaincy uh, internship at Baptist Hospital in uh, Winston-Salem. He was there a long time because he had broken his back and other uh, bones in his body in a car wreck. And because he was there so long, I got to know him. I'd go by every day. He was a, a likable fellow. Had interesting stories. Mom had abandoned him when he was just an infant and he's been raised by his father, if you call it raised. His father was an alcoholic and ran moonshine in the western mountains of North Carolina. He himself, this young fellow, had learned uh, mechanics and that's sort of how he made his living, if you call it that. He lived in a shack, he said, with his dad when his dad was there. And he had broken his back and all these bones when he was trying to evade the police in a high-speed traffic accident. We, uh, we got to know each other quite well. We played uh, blackjack every day, a few hands of blackjack. And we, he was there a while, and we had some high-stake games. I think, the, I think I owed him about $200,000 when I left. But he said something that I'll never forget. He said to, to me in, in relating his life story, he said, nothing ever good will ever happen to me. Nothing good will ever happen to me. And I thought as I reflect on that, I thought one thing, I think it's wonderful that God doesn't judge all of us by how high we grow and how much fruit we produce without first looking at the roots, the soil rather, where, the, where we're rooted 
Or some people grow in rocky, barren, arid soil and don't have the chance that some of the rest of us do. See, it's easy for me to talk about a wonderful life. I have had a wonderful life. I really have. I've, like everybody, I've had the ups and the downs, but I've had a wonderful life. I've been healthy and I've got family that's healthy, children that are healthy, grandchildren that are happy. I've always had a paycheck, food on the table. I've had good friends, supportive church. I've been the recipient of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which tells me that God is always near to me and that I don't have to worry about the past because I've been forgiven of my sins. I can look forward to the future because I know full well that God has resurrection always out there for me, that hope is a part of what he offers to me as a Christian. So, you know, it's easy for me to talk about a wonderful world, but I know about places like Darfur. And I hear of hurricanes in Burma and earthquakes in China. I see the homeless who loiter about in downtown market area. And I remember the sunken eyes of infant children in pediatric ICU. I've had to comfort the parents of those children who are always tired and anxious. I've been in Haiti and worked among the orphans there who get if they're lucky, one helping of beans and rice a day and have no hope of ever having more. The world is not always hunky-dory. And Jimmy Stewart does not walk down the aisle every Sunday and say, what a wonderful world. For some people, they feel, like this young man did, that nothing good will ever happen to them. So what do we say to them? What do we say to them? Well, here's what I say. I remind them at every opportunity I have of the goodness of God, of the strength and power and presence of God in their life. That's what I've come to know through God in Jesus Christ. I know his presence. I know his grace. I know the hope that he offers to me. And I offer that to them. I do not do that glibly. I don't, too often, folks, we as Christians say to people who are in a hole, in a ditch, we say, I'll pray for you. God bless you. God doesn't put anything too heavy on you. And then walk off. Well, that just enrages most people. They laugh at that. They snicker at that. For it has no hope or meaning to them, save you and I get down in the ditch and with them help claw that, them out of that difficulty. Not only do I tell folks about the faith I have in Jesus Christ, but I offer them the faith that they can have in Jesus Christ too. I try to, like you, make the world a better place so that those people who believe that nothing good will ever happen to them are proved wrong. By the goodness of mankind and by the goodness of the church and by the goodness of the grace of God, they will come to understand that goodness is about them if they only grasp it and understand it and hope for it and work for it. And so it is that we as Christians who believe and understand what it means to ask the question and answer it, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord by saying There is nothing too wonderful. It is our job to be missional and evangelistic 
in carrying that message to a world that often does not believe that, who believes rather, there's nothing good will ever happen to me. You and I must be carriers of the gospel. We must be bearers of the good news. We must help people understand that even in the midst of crucifixion, there can be resurrection. So that they too one day might say with us, there is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. Shall we pray? Our Father, throughout the Old and New Testament, and even in our lives, we have seen the wonders of your work. We have felt your presence and know your grace. We understand the future that you have for us, your children, and we thank you for that. Help us to share that with a world that does not believe it, who snickers at that, who laughs at that. A world that believes that nothing good will ever happen to them. Give us, O oh God, the strength and the power and the grace and the love to carry to the world the message which you bear to us that there is nothing too wonderful for you. In your wonderful name we offer our prayer. Amen.